Heavenly Father, now as we come into your presence again, we are thankful for the opportunity, Lord. Uh, We know a few weeks ago that this was not even possible. So we thank you for this grace that we have to meet together. And we do pray, Lord, that you will keep all of your people, our loved ones and friends and neighbors, you'll keep them healthy. And those who are sick, that you would heal them. And Lord, that now uh, with all uh, the distractions that are in this world, in our lives, in our families, the cares and worries, uh, Lord, help us to, uh, or we just ask that you will push them aside for us and that we would be taken up with your glory and honor this morning. Help us to love you. And Lord, we pray that you would forgive us our sins. You would cleanse us, dear God. And Lord, we thank you that there is cleansing with you through the blood of your Son. We thank you for the sacrifice of Jesus Christ, our Lord. And we thank you for your care, Lord, for us, both spiritually and physically and mentally. Thank you for all of the grace that you show us, things that we are not even aware of. We thank you for all of that. Help us now, Lord, as we look into your word. Just open our hearts and minds. And as we listen, Lord, help it to be an act of worship towards you. Help all our hearts now turn towards you and hear what you have to say. And help us to respond correctly. In Jesus' name, amen. So I'm going to invite you to turn with me to uh, 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter uh, 2, verses 19 to 23. We have a few readings this morning before we go back into the Beatitudes. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 19. For this is a gracious thing when mindful of God, one endures sorrows while suffering unjustly. For what credit is it in, what credit is it if, when you sin and are beaten for it, you endure? But if when you do good and suffer for it, you endure, this is a gracious thing in the sight of God. For to this you have been called. Now, we talk about pastors being called. This is our calling. Every one of us has this calling. Because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When he suffered, he did not threaten but continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly. There's a key. We must, if we're going to suffer persecution, we must learn to entrust our keeping to him. Chapter 3 of First Peter, verses 13 to 17. Now there is... Now, who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? 
But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. But in your hearts regard Christ, the Lord, as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. And finally, chapter 4. Chapter 4, verses 12. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. For if you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or as an evildoer or as a meddler. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. Let us, let us just pray. Lord, now we give you thanks again for your word. It's powerful, Lord, and it's what your Holy Spirit takes to uh, speak into our lives. We pray now that you will do that. We give you thanks, and we honor your word today. In Jesus' name, amen. So, way back in Matthew now, chapter 5. This is the last of the Beatitudes. Now, if you remember these Beatitudes, you will say, if you have been studying or thinking about them as we've been going through them, you will say they, they are odd. They are not the norm that people would generally gravitate to. Uh, no one really looks forward to being persecuted. Amen? Amen. Yeah. And uh, yes, you can speak through the mass. And uh, uh, yeah, we don't, we don't run uh, to uh, not be liked uh, by people. We like to be liked, right? Yeah, every one of us. And we don't like to be disliked. But... Jesus says here, in verse uh, 10, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. And it is rejoice and be glad. For your reward is great in heaven, for so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Now, if you have not given persecution much thought, uh, well, let me ask you this. How many think that persecution among, towards Christians in Canada is going to increase 
uh, I believe, I know what it means to be persecuted. But it's, it's coming. And we need a heart and mind that is ready for how we respond to it. Whether we willfully, though, or joyfully suffer persecution for Jesus' sake is going to depend how much on how much you value and love Jesus Christ. And you being united to him by faith. If we understand the cross of Jesus Christ which we sang about this morning, if we understand what happened there, it should so move our hearts towards Christ that our love for him becomes the greatest love of our lives. When we know Jesus to be the Lord of all creation, King of kings and Lord of lords, a sustainer who by his own power sustains the whole universe, when we see him that way, holy, without sin, perfect, and in perfect relationship in the Holy Trinity, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, in need of no one, perfectly joyful within themselves, with no need for the universe, no need for us, for that matter, or or any human being. And yet, even though that is all true about Jesus, out of pure mercy and grace and love towards mankind... He came and humbled himself and became a man to be falsely accused, to suffer persecution, to die as a criminal of the worst sort, because Jesus died of capital punishment of that day. He chose to do that out of love. And when that finally grips your heart, you will have a mind that is ready to suffer persecution for his sake. Well, what does persecution mean? Uh, because uh, for many of us, when we think of persecution of the church, we think of the very early church uh, where they were being thrown to wild beasts and uh, killed uh, in arenas and so forth. Uh, some of them lit up like torches uh, uh, through the emperor Nero. Nero, he had uh, Christians lit up like candles going on crosses going through the entrance into Rome because he blamed them, which was a lie, Uh, he blamed them for burning down Rome. 
And uh, persecution is something that they lived with in the early church. Oddly enough, when you think of persecution, you think, well, people would just run away. And the church would just fold. But uh, the old saying is, the martyrs, the seed of the martyrs is the seed, or the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. That it's, it's like when you kill Christians, uh, the more you kill them, the more they grow. And that was the way the early church grew. Now, but we, there is persecution today. It is said, uh, I've been told, that the, there was more Christians who died during the last century than all the other centuries before that. More in one century than the 18 centuries before that. It's an amazing thought. If you're interested in that, I recommend a website called Open Doors. And it will open your eyes to the persecution that goes on in this world. Uh, there is great persecution going on in places like North Korea. Many, many, many of our brothers and sisters in Christ, just because they believe, are in prison. Hundreds of thousands of them. North Korea is considered the worst place for a believer today for persecution. But there are also places like China, uh, a number of Muslim nations in the African continent, and in Afghanistan, Pakistan, a lot of persecution are, is going on. Some are, people are shunned, and some are even killed by their own families just because they believe in Jesus. Now, if we look at verse 11, where it says, Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and all, utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. We get a, a bigger picture of what persecution includes. Uh, it's not just being killed. Uh, one man put it to me years ago, uh, while it was my pastor, he said he believed persecution meant to be pushed away. It's an attempt to push the person away from them. Uh, push their voice, their, their thinking, their lives, push that all away. But he says, uh, blessed are you if you reviled, which means criticized angrily, and abusively, and in an insulting manner. It also includes being evil spoken of, uh, someone saying nasty things about you falsely. It also includes being made fun of for believing uh, in the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, has that happened to any one of you today? Have any of you ever been made fun of or rejected, or someone kind of push away, not necessarily physically, but became, let's say, they're not your friend anymore. Has that ever happened to any of you? 
And we should not think that's strange. That's the norm. But I hope you all notice that it says persecuted for righteousness' sake. If we are persecuted for anything other than for righteousness' sake, it is of no value to God and no value to you. Uh, Indeed, we are getting what we deserve. That's one of the reasons I read 1 Peter chapter 2. For what credit is it if, when you sin, you are beaten for it, you endure? Now, that might be a little hard to get in your mind. If you've not looked at that verse before, you might say, well, what does that mean? Don't expect to be rewarded by God if you did some criminal act and back then part of the punishment for doing criminal acts would be that you were beaten. So if you do a criminal act and you're caught, you don't rejoice to Jesus because you were persecuted for Jesus' sake. No, you were persecuted because you did something wrong. And that is what we will never be um, rewarded for. If you're spoken, uh, if you're a liar and a cheat, and someone confronts you, you are not being confronted because of righteousness' sake. Uh, if you're, if you act foolishly. Or treat others disrespectfully or are arrogant, you will not be rewarded. And someone comes against that, you're not going to get rewarded for that. If you're told off by someone because of something that you've done or said, you can't claim I'm being persecuted for righteousness' sake. We're getting what we deserve. Should we expect to be persecuted? The answer is? Thank you. (laughs) We should realize because of these verses that Jesus expected us that that would be a part of our lives, that, that we would be persecuted. So the question is not when will I be persecuted, but when it's going to happen. It should be our expectation. Uh, 2 Timothy 3 verse 12 says this, Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. There's a promise. John 15 verse 18, Jesus said this, If the world hates you, Know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. So part of becoming a believer in Christ is this invitation that you might have not written to, 
or really want, but there is this invitation that to the world that you are going to be and receive persecution. But why, why are we persecuted then? If we proclaim Jesus and that there's forgiveness of sins through him, that you could be made right with God through him, saved from an eternity of separation from God, if, if you are a person that has uh, been worked on by the Holy Spirit and, and changed through the Holy Spirit, working through the word of God, changing your character so that you're a person who is not given to retaliation, is not uh, given to hatred, to anger, uh, but to loving and serving others, why would anyone persecute someone like that? Does it make sense? So what's, what gets everybody so upset? So listen to what Jesus says in John 3. Verse 19, and this is the judgment. The light has come into the world, and people love the darkness rather than the light, because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. People persecute us because they do not like the message that they're hearing, number one. The message that we proclaim in Christ is to repent and turn to Christ for their salvation and to, uh, it means that they're going to have to confess, they're going to have to humble themselves and confess their own sin, confess that they are sinners and that they have to change. Uh, People, and I used to be one of them, did not really like the idea of giving up the control of my life into the hands of Jesus Christ. I wanted my own autonomy. I didn't want anyone telling me what to do. I was my own man. And you know, generally speaking, of mankind, we think we're pretty good. We think we are at least better than some, if not better than most, and for the odd person, better than all. So when an unbeliever hears the message of salvation that is found in Christ alone, uh, and see our different beliefs and character and attitudes and actions, they see our love, the Holy Spirit comes in to their lives and convinces them of their sinfulness, their need for a savior.
the Holy Spirit rightly declares into that person's heart they are sinner and are heading for judgment. And when they hear that, they, there's a response that they have to make, one or the other. They either drop the knee, doesn't have to be physically, the knee of your heart, to humble yourself before him and confess your sin, or you will fight. And in fighting, the way to get rid of all of those who are bothering you, who are making you think about Christ, making you think about sin, is to get rid of them. And it makes the unbeliever angry. And it looks, I used to be one of these people. Indeed, every one of us were. I remember it like during the early 70s, there were things people called hippies. And uh, some of them were belong, belonged to a kind of a Jesus movement at that time. And I would walk by them, and you could tell who they were. They had dressed a certain way, long hair and so forth. And you would walk by them, and I would say, yeah, Jesus freak. Now, I was a teenager, and I didn't know anything about religion at all and uh or really i knew christ died on the cross but that was it so i would be mocking them and uh when i came to faith in christ uh one of the men uh, used to be driving in a bus coming home from work there was a man on there that i always heard ranting and he was always talking about Jesus. And I was like, what is with that guy? And he happened to be in the same trade as I was. So uh, sooner or later, we would be sitting together, and I'd be talking to him. And he'd be telling me about Jesus. Well, I would be trying to poke fun at him. I would be trying to uh, show that what he believed was total nonsense. I was persecuting him. But you know what? He didn't give up. <laughs> he kept talking. And... Um, Along the way, I said to myself, that guy is different. But there's something about him and what he says that seems true. And that began a process that led me to Christ. When the unbeliever looks at us, and this is one of the reasons good works, living righteously, living godly, is so important. Because it lets the unbeliever know that there is a different life out there and that there is something real about us.
You know, I'm going to switch it now. Have you ever thought about how cool it would have been to be one of the prophets of the Old Testament? You know, you got Moses, Red Sea, like that. You got Elijah calling down fire from heaven, consuming sacrifices. You got Elisha or Elisha, however you pronounce that. Uh, and he's raising the dead. Can you imagine how great that would be? I, you know, uh, when I first started reading, I thought, oh, man, that would have been so cool to be one of those guys. But do you know that every prophet was persecuted? You know every prophet did not have an easy life. Matter of fact, many of them wished that God would put them dead than to have called them in at times, at moments in their ministries, that God would have killed them so he wouldn't have to put up with sometimes God's own people. Uh, yeah, it was tough, but many, most, or all of them endured persecution, and no one more than Jesus Christ our Lord. But there is no greater reward given by God than to the person who is persecuted for Jesus' sake. Jesus says, Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets which, who were before you. Your reward is great. Now, if the creator of the universe, who sustains it by his own power, says your reward is great, how great must that reward be? It must be enormous. So... Let me ask, let me just say this. This is common sense that I need to speak to my own heart every day. Everything that I've purchased, worked for, labored for, every project I've ever made, I'm going to leave it all behind. Zero coming with me. But the reward for persecution is eternal. And Jesus says it's great. So let me ask you this. Logically speaking, what should you and I be investing in? Look at the early church rejoicing in persecution. In Acts 5, and I'm going to close on this. Acts 5, verse 40. And when they had called in the apostles, they beat them and charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. Then they left, that is the apostles, the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for the name, and that is Jesus rejoicing that they have been counted worthy, that God had conferred that blessing on them, that he would allow them in his sovereign plan to be 
persecuted, to be beaten for Jesus Christ. That was a supreme honor. Now, I want to tell you this. They did not jump up and say, I need one more beaten. Okay? Uh, This is not masochism. (laughs) Uh, It's not that you enjoy being hurt. But you're thankful for the reason that you are. And the reason is this. I am following in the footsteps of the greatest love of my life. And I have the honor to follow him who is so great, so much more exalted that I could ever dream of. He is above all. All the angels of glory will bow before him. All of us who are raised and are in eternity with him will bow before him in praise. He is that glorious. And when we remember what he did for us on the cross, our hearts need to be captivated, need to fall in love with him over and over again. We need a different mindset. The Lord help us all. Help us to love Christ. I just don't want to go through the motions in my life of attending a church. And by the way, I am so thankful to be in a building again and to be able to proclaim the gospel. That is wonderful for me. Indeed a privilege, and I thank you for you all. We need, all of us, to have a red-hot love for God. Lord, help us all. If you're like me, it wanes, goes up, goes down. Some days you feel far. Some days you feel close. But let us, and this is one of the reasons we meet in church together, is to draw our hearts together to what is important in life. And that's to love, the love of our lives. Jesus Christ, our Lord. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your grace here. Thank you for these wonderful people. Thank you, O God, that they name your name. Now, Lord, we confess that for a lot of our lives, what we are really concerned about is just ourselves. We ask your forgiveness for that because you pushed yourself aside, your glory aside, to come and die for us. For no other reason than your grace and mercy. We were so undeserving. And yet, you've done that for us. So help us, Lord, to have that steadfast love of you so great that we will want to follow you 
whether it means in life or death. For, Lord, we will consider that the sufferings of this life will not be compared to the glory that will be revealed in us. Help us, Father, we pray. Bless this church as they vote for a new pastor, Lord. Give them wisdom. Give them grace, Lord. And may the man that comes, may you fill him with your Holy Spirit. Give him direction, guidance, love for his people. And Lord, in cause great growth here too. May there be salvation amongst many in our families, our friends, our neighbors, in the countryside, Lord. May revival come here. In Jesus' name, amen.